Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. So glad that you're all here this morning. And uh, I have been praying for you this week um, for this morning's message. Uh, this, what you're going to hear, my, my prayer is that you receive it in your hearts and that it's going to take root this morning, and that, that that's what's happened with my life. You know, God's word has taken root in my heart, and I've grown, and I've grown, and I know you have too if you're a follower of Jesus. So uh, my prayer is that we leave here being better equipped than we came through the doors. Amen? Okay? So uh, I, want to, I want you to encounter people this week, and my, my desire, my desire is that they see a little bit more of Jesus in you this week. They see a little bit more grace in you this week. They see a little bit more of compassion in you this week, okay? Because they see a whole lot more of Jesus living in you and through you, amen? So that's my prayer. And I'm going to invite Christine. Where's Christine? Come on up. Christine's going to pray that over you this morning. Now, if you've not been in prayer start and heard Christine prayer, age doesn't have anything to do with prayer people right? She's a prayer warrior. So Christine's going to pray for us as a church that this week you are going to share a little bit more of Jesus with those that you encounter. Okay? Father in heaven, we thank you for this day again to us, Father. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity they've given to us to come into your presence and to worship you, Father, mm-hmm. as brothers and sisters. We thank you, Father, for the love that you've given to us through your name, through the blood of Jesus Christ, Father. And we thank you. We honor you, Father. We come and worship you and we exalt your name, Father. Yes. God, I ask you, help us, Father, each and every single one of us. Help us to come with expectation in our hearts, to hear from your word, for your word to break us and build us, Father. God, I ask to use um, your your minister to work in us, Father. God, I ask that you plant a seed in each and every single one of our hearts and help that seed to fall on good ground, Father. God, I pray that that seed grow in our hearts, Father, that we may use it in each and every single day of this week, in each and every single day of our lives, Father, to grow in you, to be a better person, Father, to the people around us, so that your image might be might be seen in us, Father, so that the, the love of Christ may overflow to the people that we interact with, Father, in our schools, in our workplaces, Father, with even just walking by the street, Father, God, I ask that your love just radiate within us, Father. God, I ask you help us to be salts in this world of darkness, in this world without flavor. God, I ask that you use us to intercede for the people around us, Father, to just bring them to you, Father. Open up our hearts, open up our minds, Father. Take our hearts of stone, and I ask you make them soft, Father, so we may hear your word and that we may use it, obey it, Father, in each and every single day of our lives, Father. Thank you, Father, once again for bringing us together. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, I ask that you open up our hearts, open up our minds. I ask that you just, as we bring our sorrows, as we bring our joys to your presence, Father, God, I ask that you take them, and I ask that you give us your yoke, which is light, Father. 
Father, and help us to carry it with faith and with love, with joy, Father. In all that we do, I ask that you help us to remember that you are with us, Father, and help us to walk with you, Father, and talk with you and seek you in all that we do, Father. God, I pray for each and every single one of us, Father. You know each and every desire of our heart, Father. So God, we bring the desires of their presence, and we thank you for your God that listens. Your word says that when two or three are gathered, your spirit is there, and that you're a God that's alive and not dead. You're a God that has a heart, Father. You're a God that listens to our hearts, Father. And so God, I ask you listen and you answer, Father, because you love your children and we are your children. That's who you've called us to be, Father. So help us to live the purpose that you've given to us and help us to walk in the purpose with joy, even when it's hard, Father. Help us to seek you and help us to trust in you and help us to make you our rock, Father. I thank you for everything that you've done for us. Open up our hearts, Father. Help us to come with expectation. And I ask that your, your spirit fill us up, Father. Holy Spirit, walk with us throughout this week. Talk to us and help us to just feel your love and your presence in all that we do. I thank you for everything they've done for us. Thank you for the privilege that you've given to us to call you our Father and our friend when so many people don't have hope, Father. I thank you for the hope and the joy that you've given to us, Father, and help us to carry that joy and help us to walk in it, Father. Yes. I thank you for everything they've done for us. I sum the rest of the day at their presence. Help us, help us to just enjoy your spirit, enjoy your presence, Father, in, all, in everything that we do this day. I thank you for everything. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Christine. Amen. Now we can go home. Amen. I told you. I told you. Well, we're continuing our reset message series today, and we're going to be visiting the ultimate resetting because it directly involves you, right? Your life. So we're going to dive right in to the focus of today's message. Happens to be my life verse. Now, if you have not heard that term before, I want to introduce it to you. It's a verse that's impacted you in such a way that it becomes part of your person, part of your DNA. A life verse is a verse from the scriptures that speaks to you in a very special way. And it seems as if God put that verse right in the Bible just for you. So anyone here have a life verse? Put your hand up, shout it out. I'm curious because mine changed my life. What's your life verse? Well, you've got a whole book of them to pick one from, okay? I encourage you to. I encourage you to. So the wonderful thing about God's word is it's alive, right? And it speaks to each and every one of us differently at different times and different ways. But we all receive the same message when we read God's word. And that message is a Sunday school song that we all learn when we're like, yay, hi. Does anybody know what that is? Jesus loves me. Right? So, my life verse is, if you're not already aware, is uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'll get you to open up to that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 and your Bible or Bible app. It'll come up on screen as well. No, it won't. Uh, <laughs> Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And if you know me by now, I love the Amplified Version because it just expands on that. So it reads, therefore, if anyone's, anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in. Grafted into what? The vine. Grafted into the vine. Who is? Jesus. Amen. Grafted into the vine. He is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, let's call that sin, 
have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. And this is exactly what we read that God told Ezekiel to say to the house of Israel in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, starting at verse 26. It says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to talk in my statutes and you will keep my ordinances and do them. So when God makes you a new creation, he doesn't just come and visit you. He comes to habitate in you. That is life changing. Now allow me to make it a little simpler for us because that's how I roll and that's how God knows I need it. Simple. I desire that you leave here today with something that equips you. So these words, allow these words to resonate with you now so you can take them out of here today. Because of Jesus, who you were, you are no more. Amen? 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 That's good. That's good stuff. That's powerful. That is the power of the new creation in you. Because of Christ in you, who you were, you are no more. Because of Christ in you, in you, because of Jesus, he came to set the captives free. Who you were, you are no more. Because you made a decision to believe in and follow after Jesus, to follow his ways, his teachings, and to live your life according to his word and will, who you were, you are no more. Amen? That's powerful. That's life-changing stuff right there. And do you know what? It doesn't stop there, though, right? So much more, so much more. And I know there may be some Christians, and I've met some, that do stop there because they feel like they've reached that, that point that they can't cross. The metaphoric journey is not without its struggles, troubles, or challenges. There's very, very real tension between the already and the not yet. And you can often find yourself in a battle, waging war against your old sinful desires. Paul shared this in Romans 7, verses 14 to 20, which I, I've shared before is one of my favorite scriptures because it sheds light on who Paul is. He's expressing in words what we all feel at times. And it reads this. It's probably the most confusing scripture as well, but we, we read, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but I, what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. And it is I, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. I'm lost. <laughs> now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Wow. <laughs> Did you follow? <laughs> you might have to read that one a few times. <laughs> And Paul is talking about that internal conflict between desiring to do good and our sinful nature. Now, I want to encourage you that if you are battling your old sinful ways, 
Know that that is part of the sanctification process. It's part of becoming more like Jesus and less like you. The fact that you are struggling is a sign that the new creation is taking root, is growing. And if that's you, I pray that you continue to press on, press through, allow the Holy Spirit to continue to work in your life and through your life. Now, I know God can radically change a person overnight. I've seen it. They make a complete 180-degree turn, and to those that knew them, don't know them any longer. For most of us, though, it's a daily process. It's involving incremental steps, changes over time. Now, some Christians believe, falsely, that they are not worthy of anything more not worthy of God's grace past this particular point in their life. And that is a lie that you are telling yourself if that's you. Maybe you had a terrible day, maybe a week, maybe a train wreck of a year. You've messed up once, twice, lost count, right? How many times have you found yourself in that pit of despair, feeling as low as you possibly could feel and telling yourself, I'm not worthy. I'm here to tell you today to stop. Stop thinking like that. God's word is true. And his word tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 10, but he said to me, my grace is what? Sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am, right? We love that last part, don't we, right? That's probably somebody's life verse. For when I am weak, I am strong. Oh, I love that. Nobody picks that one before. I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Nobody's life verse? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> and ever if there was a time to read this from the Amplified, it's this verse. It reads this in the Amplified. My grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough. Always available, regardless of the situation, for my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Amen? That's good. So if you've been making camp outside of the kingdom, I want you to be sure that you hear these words today that will free you from the lies that you hear or that you tell yourself because God has so much more in store for you. So let me remind us of uh, Romans 8, verses 1 to 2. We read, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. Claim it. Jesus died for you for this. So if God doesn't condemn you, why do you condemn yourself? Right? We're forgiven our past. As far as the East is from the West, you might not feel it because it seems too good to be true, but that's what makes grace, grace. Amen? You can't do a single thing to earn God's grace. It's not dependent if you give or don't give. It's not dependent on how you feel today. God isn't counting how many times you've messed up. I've messed up. It's not something you can earn, and it's not something you deserve. 
It is a gift from God. And so he desires that we simply accept it. You with me this morning? Amen. Amen? Come on. Hey, Brother Florian, thank you. This man got a job. Amen? That's praiseworthy. That's praiseworthy. Yes. We're going to revisit 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. In Christ. Now, that means anyone who belongs to Christ. Notice we don't read anyone who believes in Christ. Even demons believe in Christ. But very specifically, these words are words that say belong. I want to remind us that Christ is not Jesus' last name. Okay? Throughout history, we have several notable persons that we we assume. Uh, For example, Leonardo da Vinci. Da Vinci wasn't his last name. It was Jesus of Nazareth, Leonardo of Vinci. Da Vinci. Don't know what his last name is. I'm not a history buff. (laughs) Joan of Arc. Uh, Arc referred to her father's estate, the Arc of Barnois. Genghis Khan. Khan was simply meant ruler or leader. And there was Augustus Caesar. Again, the name had been adopted from Gaius Julius Caesar, and it was a term adopted from his name as a a leader or uh, to communicate power and leadership. So Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed one, okay? Many of you already know that. Some of you, that's brand new. Regardless, what I want you to hear this morning, that every time we read the word Christ, I want you to remind yourself that it means the anointed one, okay? So let's get back. So belonging or being in Christ in the anointed one means being a part of what God is doing in and through the anointed one. And when you are in Christ, when you are in the anointed one, do you get the power in knowing this, right? When you are in the anointed one, say that with me, the anointed one, amen? You are a new creation. And in the Greek, the word used for new is very rich in depth and meaning. The word is kainos. It means recently made, fresh, unused, uncommon, unheard of, So when you become the the new in the anointed one, God doesn't refurbish that old sinful person, that version of your old self, but rather he creates something entirely new and unprecedented, something entirely different from what was before. In other words, he makes you absolutely unconditionally new. Rejoice in that. That's awesome. Amen. Just as God created the heavens and the earth in Christ, he creates individuals anew, the old to the new, darkness and the light. And it's a drastic change and a radical change that's just not about improving our morals, but it's a complete transformation of how we live our lives. The old life was defined by sin and brokenness and separation from God. And now, as a new creation The old life is replaced by a new life because of the anointed one in you and in in you in he. And in this new life, we are made righteous. We are made whole and we can have an intimate relationship with our heavenly father because the anointed one, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, who you were, you are no more. Now that may sound very simple, an exchange life, your old sinful ways 
for a new life in Christ. And you know what? It is that simple, right? However, however, it's difficult to live out, right? We live in a broken world. And still, as new creations, we face and encounter the temptations of the world and of the enemy. And we have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy because you are in the anointed one. As well, we battle our own fleshly desires, our things that hinder our walk of faith. Being a new creation calls us to live a life that reflects the reality of the life-changing power of Christ in us. And that requires us to turn away from our old ways, to stop sinning. Jesus said, come and follow me. He did not say, hey, it's going to be an easy life, a life with no pain or heartache. He didn't say that. We, we've read recently in John 16, 33, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In Christ, we may have peace. In the world, you will have, you will, no question, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world, amen? In James 1, 2, we read, Consider it pure, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So again, we read, how, how many troubles? Many. <laughs> Anybody here with no trouble? I didn't see a single hand. We all go through the valleys. But if you are abiding in the anointed one, and the anointed one has overcome the world, do the math, right? Allow yourself to persevere so that you may grow in your faith. So several years ago, uh, a friend of ours had a photo of the Gagne family on their fridge, and one day their cleaning lady caught eye of it, and she says, hey, I think I know this guy. Uh, I think I went to high school with him. And our friend replied, yeah, that, that's Dave, Dave and Isabel and their kids. We used to attend the same church together. A lady paused, and then she replied, no, that can't be that Dave. I, I, knew, I knew Dave, and I went to Montcalm High School. And our friend said, well, so did Dave. And by the way, he's a pastor now. And the cleaning lady's jaw apparently dropped. She couldn't believe that the guy that she once knew had become the, this person, this other person. You see, in high school, I wasn't the nicest person. Um, and for whatever reasons, I'd often harass this table at lunchtime. Um, they were meeting in a cafeteria. You could have called me a jerk, a bully, whatever, whatever terms. Because I did things, I said things that weren't very nice. Uh, they were minding their own business, and I got in their space and made life miserable for them. And I really didn't know about much about anything about Christians when I was in high school. And it was only later in life that I realized they were probably having a Bible study. <laughs> here I was. I'd antagonize them just because I could, right? The old dead Dave. <laughs> Possibly you can relate to your old, dead, buried self. You may have some stories, too. And we read this truth about ourselves in Titus chapter 3, verses, uh, verse 3 to 6. It says, At one time we too were foolish. We were disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness of our, uh, and love of our 
God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, the anointed one, our Savior. All I can say to that story, to the old dead Dave, because of Jesus, who I was, I am no more. Amen? Amen. It didn't happen overnight, though. In fact, what God started is still continuing in me today. He's still actively changing me. And until the day I join him in heaven, he will. And he will continue to do so. So this ongoing transformation process in each one of us is what we refer to in the church as sanctification. This is a theological term that describes the process of how we were as, 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 as believers, uh, how we're gradually conformed to the image of Christ. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us that empowers us followers of Jesus to overcome sin and grow in godly character. The process of sanctification is the good work that God started in you, as Paul writes in Philippians 1. I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The transformation of becoming a new creation is both instant and ongoing. The moment we place our faith in Christ, we are a new creation. The old has gone a new life has begun. And at that moment, we are declared righteous because of Jesus, and we are adopted into the family of God. We're given a completely new nature. Practically speaking, though, the working out of this new identity is a lifelong journey. And it involves daily dying to our old self and fully embracing the new self, which is being renewed to be more like our creator, as we read in Colossians 3.10. Now, I said there's more coming, and it's here. We're going to go back a few verses. I want to back up to, uh, in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, uh, chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 21, because I want to give you the context in which Paul was writing this letter. I focus on 5.17 because that's my life verse, but there's a lot more depth and a lot more meaning into the full context of what he's writing. So we read, for Christ's love compels us. So we're going to come back to that compel in a moment. Um, because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone, 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 Anyone is in Christ. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, the anointed one, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Thank you, Lord. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And here's, here's what we're going to talk a little bit more about. We are therefore Christ, the anointed one's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God chose to communicate the message of his kingdom throughout the earth, not through the religious elite, but through his personal representatives, you and I. 
In a kingdom, these representatives are called ambassadors. Rick mentioned this morning in prayer start, another word, emissaries. In the Old Testament, God chose Moses to deliver the Israelites from slavery, and the prophets represented God, and they spoke his warning messages of judgment to a nation that had turned away from him. So in both those cases, technically speaking, they were ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven on earth. Now, being a new creation is not a one and done, okay? Thank you, Lord. I'm a new creation going on my way. No, becoming a new creation is just the beginning because God's got plans for you. And I can tell you that confidently because God's word tells us clearly that as a follower of the anointed one, you are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Let that sink in. It's a heavy. God has a purpose in everything he does. And in creating you as a new creation, he has imprinted in you the very role in his kingdom that you are to do from that point forward. And that is you are an ambassador for him. It's not a choice of whether you want to be or not. You are. You are an ambassador for our Lord. And as such, you have significant role to play in God's kingdom. An ambassador is an official envoy, a diplomatic agent of the highest rank of a foreign government or sovereign such as our king. And we serve as the resident representative or messenger of the king for an appointed diplomatic mission or assignment. Technically speaking, an ambassador is a political appointee whose job is to represent and speak for his or her, her home government before the rulers of other countries. Now, in the eyes of those rulers, the word of an ambassador is the word of the government. Are you connecting the dots here? Okay. That he or she represents. An ambassador never speaks their personal opinion, but only the official policies of the government that appointed them. Think about that. Paul tells us that we are in fact Christ's ambassadors. And as ambassadors of heaven, we represent our heavenly father's kingdom on earth. And if we're to be effective in our role as an ambassador, it's vitally important, I believe, that we understand what it means to be an ambassador, to appreciate the power, the position, the distinction that we have been given as such an ambassador. <clears throat> an ambassador has to be devoted to duty. Can you imagine the trouble our country would be in if we had a bunch of renegade ambassadors running around not correctly re representing our country to other country leaders? It'd be a mess. So we need to be controlled. There needs to be an authority over us as ambassadors. Who likes being controlled here? I saw one hand. <laughs> Two hands. Oh, okay. Um, no, no, nobody really likes to be controlled, right? But we're talking about a different relationship here. First, you need to be aware that certain principles uh, that we must follow, there are certain principles we must follow and qualities that we must possessed to be effective in our role that we've been called to. So some of the characteristics of the role of being an ambassador are we're appointed by the king 
We're not voted in, we're appointed. We're appointed to represent the state or kingdom. We're committed only to the state's interests. Connect the dots here as far as our Lord and heaven. We are the responsibility of the state. We're totally protected by the government. We can only be recalled by the king or the president. We have access to all of our nation's wealth. You following along? My daddy has a thousand cattle on a thousand hill. Come on. We never speak. We never speak our personal position on any issue. Only the nation's official position. Whenever an ambassador is asked to comment on an issue, they're obligated to speak their government's position. And, and that's simply to quote the constitutional position. In our case, we have scriptures. We have the Bible as our official document. And when we speak, we need to be ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, not of a religion. Amen? So an ambassador's goal is to influence their territory for the kingdom government. Come on, that's good stuff, right? God doesn't put things in the scriptures by accident. Ambassadors follow along what the ambassador's roles are. And it's like, we are to influence our territory for the kingdom of heaven, amen? So in our case... That's what we do. We preach the gospel. As we read earlier, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our job. Now, if you're like me, you might be wondering several things about what this means, you know. And it takes me back to grade school. When I was prepping the message, I was like, the five W's and the H, the who, what, where, why, when, how. I'm like, perfect, let's go there. So the who, the who is ours, who Jesus, right. It doesn't change. The who is always constant. Jesus. <clears throat> the where. Where are we to preach this word? This message of reconciliation to God, to God the Father. We find the answer in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. He said to them, go into where? You really got to help me this morning. Come on. Go into where? All the world. Preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes is baptized, will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. When are we to preach the gospel to all the world? Let's look at 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word, be prepared. What? In season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And also in 1 Peter 3, chapter 3, verse 15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So the answer to when is in season, out of season, and always. So what message are we to share as we preach the gospel to all the world? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Yes. Right. What, what, what verse is that? John 3.16. Why do we preach the gospel to all the world at all times, telling them about eternal life through Jesus? Well, there's many answers for the why throughout the scriptures, but one for me that stands out is found in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 to 15. <clears throat> when you fast, you get dehydrated real fast. <laughs> um, Romans 10. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. 
How beautiful are your feet who share the gospel. Can I get up close and personal this week? Will you allow me? Can I say something in love? Yeah, I got your permission. Good, yeah. You have beautiful feet. (laughs) Amen. Think about it, though. Think about that person in your life that shared the gospel with you. Whether it was in season or out of season, the good news that you could be set free from living a life of bondage and that you could live in freedom that Jesus, the anointed one, gave to us that he was crucified, that he died, he was resurrected and rose to sit at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he promised eternal life to all that follow him and an abundant life as we live out our days as foreigners in this land that we call earth. Think about that person that shared with you and how beautiful their feet were. Every toe, the heel, the arch. Their feet brought you, brought me, the good news of salvation. And now your feet as followers of Christ are beautiful to those that you share the gospel message with. Amen? Think about that. Wow. So lastly, how do you begin being an ambassador for Christ? Let's look at the example of Paul. He saw himself as an ambassador at all times. He wasn't just an ambassador on Sunday. He wasn't just an ambassador when he felt like it or when it served his purposes or desires. Paul was always acting as a representative of Jesus. In Ephesians 6, 19 to 20, we read, Pray also for me that whenever I speak words, whenever I speak words may be given to me so that I will, what? Fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. And again, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Even though he was in prison, he refused to let his circumstances define his five W's and an H. He knew his purpose. He knew he was appointed by the king to be an ambassador in season and out of season to proclaim the declaration of the truth of the kingdom, to proclaim the gospel. And how did he do it? Fearlessly. Ah, I just want to vent a little bit right now. Uh, I love everybody here and online. Uh, But we're family, so this is family talk time as well. And so here's a guy that God used, just like he's using each and every one of us, right? He's in prison. He's in chains. In what most of us would find very uh, much an unbearable situation, let's be honest, Paul's looking for an opportunity to share the gospel, right? Boggles my mind. It boggles my mind when I hear some Christians, and when I say that, in Christ, in the anointed one, those that believe and follow, it boggles me that those who are in Christ say they're afraid to witness to the neighbor across the street. I don't get it. The fear of being rejected, the fear of being mocked, the fear of not knowing what to say, fear of this or that. Here's Paul, our example. He could easily have been killed in prison, but here he's looking for opportunities to fearlessly, to boldly share the good news of salvation through Jesus. I bet you his feet in prison 
didn't look beautiful, nor did they smell good, right? But to those he shared the good news with, Paul's feet were the most beautiful feet in the world. And your neighbor, your colleague, your family member, that annoying person across the street that you try to avoid is waiting to declare that you have beautiful feet. But that will never happen unless you take the steps. Feet were not created for standing still, people. Come on. Feet were created for going, right? For moving you from here to there, from this side of the street to that side of the street. So the next time you're prompted to go with your feet, take time to pray. Stir your faith up. Remind yourself that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And as you do, you will in his power and in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, you will overcome all fear and remind yourself that you have been given the king's command, the authority to share his message. You can do it because of Jesus, because of who Jesus is, who you were, you are no more. Amen? Come on. You're an ambassador of the king of heaven. Whoa, that's awesome. Back in verse 14, Paul uses a word that has been translated in English as compel. And it also interpreted as control. The word is sanashe. And, and the word means to surround, to hem in, to encircle, uh, to rule, to be occupied with or absorbed in. And my favorite, to be seized. We need to allow Jesus full control and the power to make every decision concerning our lives. Everything that Paul did was based on Jesus' love for him. Every decision that was made, that he made, came from Jesus. Every word that was spoken was a result of Jesus' control of Paul. Paul only went where Jesus directed him to go. He only did what Jesus directed him to do. This is how we begin being ambassadors for Christ by allowing him full control to hem us in, to encircle us, to rule us, to occupy us, for us to be absorbed completely with him and to be absolutely seized by him. And as we live out our lives, being compelled by our Lord to serve him, let us remember how the early church served God and one another. Pastor Mark Intentionally, this year is leading us through as he's following what the Lord has put on his heart. We're going to go deeper, deeper as a church family and with our Lord into relationship with one another. And we will do this by being an Acts 2.42 church, a body of believers. As new creations, we need to ensure that we are renewing our mind daily because renewing our mind is essential for discerning God's will and living a life that is pleasing to him. We read in Romans 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So many people, that's the number one question that people ask. What's God's will for my life? Um, it's called Romans 12 too, right there. How do we renew our mind? Get into the word of God. Allow God's word to penetrate the strongholds in your mind. And as new creations, we pray for one another and with one another. You've heard it said, the family that prays together 
stays together. Church, we're family. Come on. So this month, we've been asked to join in prayer with our church family, to be in prayer for specific items that we are asking God for. In addition, we're also taking the month to fast. So, excuse me. Uh, Yesterday, at our men's breakfast, Pastor Mark, for those of you who are there, uh, he interviewed me about fasting. Um, It's been a practice that I've done since 1998 was the first time I started, but um, back then I had attended church for six years, never heard the word fast, ever, no teaching on it, no, no, no nothing on it. Just, you know, you just skip over it, your prayer and fast in the scriptures. You go, oh. um, so I learned a lot back then and have been uh, a, a, a faithful practitioner of fasting. And so as we're engaging in fasting this month, this morning, I wanted to make sure that if you've never heard about fasting, that you will know more before you leave today. Because I had some questions after last week's message, and so I, Mark and I talked a little bit and said, yeah, that's good. Let's, let's bring a little bit about it into today's message. So firstly, the simplest definition of fasting is to cover the mouth. Okay. Um, I want to begin with the verse that will bring us up to speed very quickly on fasting. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 16, when you fast. Okay. I'm going to stop there because when, 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 when you fast, not if you fast, okay? When you fast. So uh, we're going to fast, okay, church? So what is fasting, you may wonder? Well, fasting is a way of celebrating the goodness of God and that because of Jesus, we have received God's mercy, forgiveness, and favor. There's different types of fasting. So what I would refer to as a regular fast is when you abstain from all food and drink except for water. Partial fast involves abstaining from a particular type of food or drink. In the case of Daniel's fast when he was in Babylon, he did a partial fast. And it's what we refer to as the Daniel fast. And in chapter 10, verse 3, he said, I ate no tasty food, nor did any, nor did any meat or wine enter my mouth. And I did not anoint, refresh, groom myself all for the full three weeks. So that was a partial fast. Another type of a partial fast is abstaining from one specific meal each day, for the duration of your fast. You might choose to fast breakfast. Uh, a liquid fast is when you remove certain types of drinks from your diet, could include alcohol, coffee, tea, other caffeinated beverages. Biblical fasting usually did not mean going without food or drink for an entire day, but uh, they would fasting, uh, they would start, uh, they would fast during the day and once nightfall come, they would then begin to eat again. But it was an expected Uh, ritual, spiritual discipline in both the Old and the New Testaments. In Matthew 4, uh, verses 1 to 2, Jesus taken into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and nights. Said, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And you betcha, he was hungry after 40 days. Uh, (laughs) um, So why should we fast? Why do we fast? Well, again, Jesus said, when? When? Not if. So we do. Jesus said, pray. So it's not a matter of, oh, I I get to choose. No, it's it's right here. When? When you fast. And we see other examples of biblical fasting in the lives of Moses, King David, Elijah, Esther, Nehemiah, Daniel, Ezra, John the Baptist, the apostles, uh, Paul, and of course there's Jesus, and there's so many others as well. So we have... Uh, 
uh, documentation to help us understand that this is a practice that we should be doing as well. Fasting and prayer can restore and strengthen your intimacy, your relationship with God. When we fast, we humble ourselves before God. As we read in Psalm 35, 13, I humbled my soul with what? With fasting, right? It's a tool we have been given. Use it. Fasting and prayer can help us hear God more clearly. And when you can hear God more clearly, it will change you from the inside out. And your relationship with him will grow more intimate. And the Holy Spirit will reveal to you areas of your life that you, you might not be in alignment with what God desires for your life. And you'll be able to move forward and bring correction as you do. So now not everyone can fast food for a list of different various reasons. I get that. So my encouragement to others over the years has been, if that's you, if that's your case, possibly health reasons, maybe work, uh, pregnancies, etc. There's a number of different reasons. Uh, my question to those that cannot fast food, food for those reasons is, what consumes your time? Okay. Think about the scriptures when they were fasting. They had to catch their food. We just go to the grocery store, done. Uh, actually, you can walk out of the grocery store and be eating as you're walking out. It's that convenient for how we live this day. It wasn't like that then. So had to catch their food or grow their food. They had to clean it or wait for it to grow. They had to collect it and harvest it. And then finally, at some point, they get to eat it. That takes a lot of time. So when you fast a meal or fast an entire day, that time that you took to do those things, you would use that time to be in the word, to be in prayer, to serve others. So what consumes your time? Let me help you. Maybe it's social media, television, phones, big one on phones, yeah. Sports, ooh, yeah, sorry guys, I went there. And gals. <laughs> Video games, right? Pick your time-consuming thing that you do. And I encourage you to fast from it and take that time and offer it to, the God, to, our, to our God as a sacrifice. Now, if you have any questions further about fasting, I'm going to be in a cafe today. Um, I'd be glad to answer any more questions you have. Um, but I just wanted to cover some of the, some of the top uh, items there this morning. So, so when, when you become a new creation, you joined with others that are also new creations, right? We call it, Church, <laughs> this transformation we all go through just isn't about the individual. It's about being together because we are better. Amen. <laughs> From the book of David. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, we read, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. He was addressing uh, at that time, but it's still happening this time, but encouraging one another and all the more as you do see the day approaching. In Jesus, we are brought into a new family, the body of Christ. Our new family is marked by love, unity, and we share the same mission as ambassadors for Christ to our world. It's within the community of believers that each of us grow, we serve, and we use our spiritual gifts to encourage and to build one another up. We do this by coming together to learn from God's word, by praying with and for one another, by doing life and having fellowship with one another, 
beyond Sunday and by opening our homes to invite others to share meals and including the Lord's Supper. So this morning, we are going to take communion together. But before we do, since several of you here are new to our church, some may be here for the first time today, um, I want to express to everyone that at the gate, we take communion seriously. So that being said, for those of you who are here today and confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, that you've been made new in Christ, we invite you to join with us and take communion together. Now, for those of you who have not yet made the decision to believe in and follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, I would direct you today to pass the items along as they come your way without taking them for yourself. In no way, in, in no way is this making any statement about you in any way at all. It's not a judgmental statement. We're simply asking this because we love you. And as we find in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 27 to 29, we read, So then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body of, and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So out of love, we ask you not to take if you're not a follower of Jesus. And one more matter. If you are a follower of Jesus here this morning, but in your heart you know that you are not right with God, I want to allow for some time this morning before we take communion together for you to examine yourself and to allow the Holy Spirit to minister and speak to you. And after taking this time, you are still battling whatever it is that you know you ought not to take communion. I would encourage you not to, today not to take the items for yourself. And I can tell you, personal experience, I found myself in that place. And, um, you know, there's no shame in being honest with yourself and being honest with the Lord. So that's what I would ask today as we take communion together. So we're going to take just a few moments to prepare our hearts, to examine our hearts. And again, if you're a believer, please feel free to take. If you're having, you know, issues of the heart at the moment and you're just not right, please do not take. And we will take together in just a few moments. Close our service. But before we do, let's just take a moment in prayer together and uh, just allow those words that we've heard this morning to take root in our heart. And as we prayed in prayer, start that they would be deep roots. God's word taking deep roots in our hearts this morning. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we're so thankful that we can come together to hear your word today that you have given us one another. Not only you've given us your amazing gift of grace, but you have given us the ability to come together as your church, as new creations in you. We come together as a new creation community. And I pray that as we go from this place today, that we will remember that it will be brought to our memory because of Jesus, who I was, I am no more. Thank you, Lord, for that word. Thank you that you have given us all we need. Thank you that when we find ourselves in that place of despair, that you are there and that we can go with confidence, fearlessly proclaiming your good news. Allow us this week, Lord, allow us this week to be beautiful feet to those in our lives that need to hear 
your good news. I pray that you would stir us up, that we're tired of status quo, that we're tired of coming to church. Lord, we are your church. So as we go from this place, we, your church, go in your strength. Because when we are weak, you are strong. Lord, you've already told us. You've given us. We are ambassadors for your kingdom. You've given us absolutely everything we need. Full authority, full resources, whatever it is, all we need to do is ask. And it is ours because of who you are in us. Not for our own to keep, but for us to be conduits to allow whatever it is that you pour into our lives to pour out of our lives. So I pray and ask for opportunity after opportunity this week where we may be beautiful feet. And I pray that you would stretch us beyond our comfort zones. We all have them. Show us what they are in our own lives. And I pray Lord, that you would break those this week, that we would come back here next week full of stories to share with one another about your goodness and how you used your ambassadors to expand your kingdom borders. Amen? Amen. Let's worship. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m. and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.